Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. of the choir and the bell choir um, and the instrumentalists from our, my side seat over here, but I could hear it, and it felt so good. Was it good? Yes. We give thanks for the gifts of our worship and music groups. Thank you so much for their gifts this morning. I invite you, if you have your palm branch, to have it handy. We're going to read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to need your help. If there are children out there, I'm especially going to need your help. I want to see some wild and enthusiastic waving. I see some in the back that are already fantastic. Hear these words. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went and they found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Let's wave our branches. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming king of Israel, the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I remember the first time I went to the Magic Kingdom at Disney World. At the time, they were doing this nightly electric light parade. Raise your hand if you remember this. They don't have it all the time. My parents and I, we found a good spot to watch the parade. And I was a small child. I'd never seen this parade before. I'd never seen anything like it before. So I didn't really know what to expect. When the parade got closer to us and to our spot, all of the lights went out. 
I mean, it was already dark, but all of the, the lights, like the street lights that Disney has, like around, you know, the park, all of those went out. And all the lights went out and the nearby restaurants and shops and rides. It got really dark, surprisingly so, in the middle of a theme park. And I was scared. Then the music came on over the loudspeakers. And it was joyous music and it was fun and it kind of let you know that something good was on the way. The parade was coming. And soon the performers and the floats, they were right in front of us. And they were all decked out with lights. They were all glowing. And it was magical. I was enraptured. And just as soon as the parade started, it was over. The parade kept moving along the parade route, leaving us behind. The parade music stopped where we were. The lights came back on. And then it was just... Magic Kingdom at Disney World again. Everyone went back to normal, as if the parade had never happened. People left to go on rides, or they went to go shopping, or they went to get something to eat. Disney cast members were there with the brooms sweeping up trash. The magic was gone. I grew up in Auburndale, a small town between here and Tampa. And Auburndale is still the kind of town that to this day hosts a homecoming parade for the high school. And the parade has elements, pretty much the same elements every year. You know what to expect. There's the marching band, there are dancers and fire trucks and parade floats, the football team and the cheerleaders, the homecoming court, and so forth. The parade starts at the high school and works its way down to the city park where there's a community-wide pep rally. The band, and that's where the parade stops. So the band stops there at the pep rally and they start playing festive music. Cheerleaders and dancers wow the crowd with their routines. The football coach, he fires up the crowd, saying how we're gonna win and the, next, and the other team's gonna lose. And my favorite, I kid you not, the bloodhound mascot in a bloodhound costume is there hyping up the crowd, going around getting people to clap and to dance. It's a very fun and festive environment. The goal is to get everyone excited for the next, next night's football game and to use that excitement as fuel for victory. When the pep rally is over and everyone goes home, people leave with a sense of community. They leave with a sense of optimism that this just may be the year that the team will win. People leave with a sense of hometown pride and school spirit. And the essence of community kind of lingers and clings to you. Our gospel reading for today features a parade. Did you catch that? Jesus leaves the Mount of Olives riding on the back of a young donkey, and he is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus leaves the Mount of Olives, and the disciples are going with him. There's the 12 disciples that we know, but there are other disciples and followers of Jesus that are along for the walk and for the parade route. 
Throughout his ministry, Jesus seemed to collect people. We may not know their names, but they followed Jesus, and they were there. So we can see that Jesus and his followers, they formed quite a procession with Jesus riding on a donkey. And soon Jesus and his followers are joined by random people in the crowd. Maybe these are people who heard about Jesus, who heard about his miracles, and they came to see Jesus for themselves. And so they found themselves as part of the parade. Or perhaps they were some of the bystanders, you know, on the sidewalks, if you will, waving at Jesus. The people, they cut branches, and they waved these branches, shouting, Hosanna, save us. They put their branches on the ground in front of Jesus, in front of where he would walk. They put their cloaks on the ground in front of Jesus, forming a first century red carpet, if you will. Everyone was shouting, Hosanna, save us now. We can imagine that it was quite thrilling for the crowd, quite thrilling for the disciples. People were excited. Oh, there are branches, there are crowds of people, they're shouting good things at Jesus, save us, save us. And everyone is wondering, what will happen next? What will happen when Jesus gets to Jerusalem? And everybody there, probably as many people as they are there, there are different expectations of what Jesus will do when he gets to Jerusalem. The zealots in the crowd, they want Jesus to storm Pilate's gates and to take over Jerusalem by force. In their minds, Jesus is riding a war donkey instead of a war horse. They expect this parade to be the beginning of an epic battle. There are others in the crowd who see this and see Jesus as a new King David. Jesus is coming to make Israel great again, just as Israel was great back in King David's day. And so they expect this parade to be kind of a return to their greatness. And then there are people in the crowd shouting out, Hosanna, pleading with Jesus to save them, to save them from their illnesses and from their hunger and from their hopelessness. These people, they may not care about politics. They just want relief, and they want it now. And then there are those who just came for the party. They heard the commotion, and they came to check it out. They wanted to take part in a celebration. They wanted to see what all the fuss is about. This is a fleeting moment for them with no lasting consequences. So Jesus enters Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. He gets off the donkey. I imagine he kind of like shakes his legs and stretches to get the kinks out. The disciples and the crowd, they hold their breath. What will Jesus do next? In Mark's gospel, we're disappointed. You see, Jesus does not say anything. It just says that he looks around at everything. Jesus is quiet. There is no hype speech. Jesus does not spur the crowd to frenzied action, saying, we're going to win. 
We can imagine that Jesus' response, or lack thereof, is sort of a letdown after the joyous excitement of the parade. People who had joined in the parade to see Jesus get to Jerusalem and they see that the spectacle has ended. And so they go home. The crowd dissipates. People return to their normal activities. And it's almost as if the parade never happened. Jesus looks around at everything. And because it was already late in the evening, he returns to Bethany with the 12 disciples. He goes back to where he started his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Friends, it's not lost my mind that we're kind of back where we started. It was about this time a year ago when our world changed. And we paused worshiping in person and we thought, surely it's just for a few weeks. Surely it's for like a month or so. And it was around Holy Week last year. It's been over a year since we've gathered in this sanctuary for worship. We're kind of right back where we started a year later. So Palm Sunday is the start to Holy Week. Over the coming days, Jesus will return to the temple. He will share some parables. He will give instructions to his disciples. People will be watching Jesus and looking for him to say and do what they expect him to say and do. And people will be disappointed in Jesus because their expectations of him do not meet and match Jesus' reality. Some expected Jesus to take on Rome and to overthrow its oppressive regime. They expected a warrior king. Others looked for Jesus to be King David 2.0. They expected a king who would return them to the glory of their past. Some expected Jesus to be a savior. They wanted Jesus to relieve them of their immediate sufferings. They wanted a fix-it-now king. And they didn't get any of those. You see, Jesus is a king. He's just not the king that most people expected or quite frankly wanted. Jesus is a humble king. He demonstrates this by riding into town on a donkey of all creatures. Jesus is a servant king. He will reveal that to his disciples on Thursday night when he washes their feet, their stinky, dirty feet. Jesus is a suffering king. He will take on all of the suffering found in all creation. He will take on all of the brokenness. He will take on all of the ways that creation does not embody God's original good intent. He will take on all of the junk with him when he is nailed to the cross. Jesus is the king of unconditional love as he is willing to give up his life for all creation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, describes Jesus this way. Though he was in the form of God, 
He did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he'd emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. On Palm Sunday and throughout Holy Week, Jesus resists human expectations of him. He stays firm in his identity and in his mission. He knows who he is. He does not get distracted by who the crowd expects him to be. He does the work that is his to do. And God's grace is made known and available to all through Jesus' identity and mission. Friends, you and I, we often develop expectations of ourselves, of other people, perhaps even of ourselves, of our institutions. And expectations, they're not bad. However, sometimes our expectations do not align with reality. We expect more from people when they cannot be more or do more. And then we get disappointed or frustrated when they don't live up to our expectations. If you looked at Pastor Vance, you might expect all pastors to be well over six feet tall. And friends, I'm not. And I never will be. I don't even think I could wear high heels that tall. I will pastor from a five foot, five inch reality. You can be frustrated that I'm not a taller pastor. Sometimes I'm upset that I'm not taller. But that's not gonna change the reality of my height. You have a choice. You can hold on to your expectations about my height or how tall you think a pastor should be and you can be forever disappointed. Or you can let that expectation go and accept reality. Expectations and reality. This is a tension that we all live in every day, whether we recognize it or not. We live this tension in our families, in our workplaces, in schools, and even in church. We've lived out this tension this past year as we've tried to reconcile our desires and expectations for life with the realities of COVID-19. And as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're still wrestling with the tension of what does post-COVID normal look like? What is our expectation? What is our reality for life after COVID? Friends, we're worshiping in the sanctuary today. And some of you are in person and some of you are online. And it will probably be that way for a while. You may have expectations of what worship in the sanctuary should look like and sound like. And those expectations may not involve roping off every other pew. I'm sorry if you didn't get to sit in your pew today. The people watching online, they have expectations about the online worship experience. And I'm sure we'll hear about those expectations. The current reality may or may not meet your expectations. 
And so friends, as a community, we're living in this tension together. So what did Jesus do when he was faced with the tension between his reality and other people's expectations? Jesus stayed true to the reality of his identity and his mission. He embraced his identity as a humble, serving, suffering, and loving king. And he stayed focused on his mission to redeem and to heal all creation through his life, death, and resurrection. And friends, aren't we glad that he did that? Aren't you glad that Jesus stayed true to his identity, to his mission, and he didn't succumb to all of the expectations of the people around him? Friends, we have a unique opportunity this Holy Week and Easter to maybe let go of some of our human expectations for this week and for these holy days. We have an opportunity to embrace the reality of God right in front of us. You may or may not hear a beloved Easter song next week. You may not be in here for Good Friday in Tenebrae. And you can be disappointed and frustrated. You can kind of feel let down. Your expectations have not been met. But friends, don't miss out on the reality of God right in front of you this week. Don't miss out on the reality of God's Spirit speaking to you, perhaps in a new way. Don't miss out on God surprising you and showing up to you. So friends, this week, I invite you into a spiritual discipline of letting go. Of letting go your human expectations to receive God's reality. And doing it this week, maybe just with the events of Holy Week and Easter, you may find that it may give you the courage to let go of expectations and other parts of your life. You may find that you have more room to embrace the reality of your identity in God and of the mission that God has for you. And maybe, just maybe, you might let go of some of those expectations you have on other people and give them the freedom to embrace their identity in God and the reality of their mission. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you are God and we are not. And that you are a God who is set apart from the expectations we make of you. We give thanks that you are a God who shows up, who is with us, and who is for us. God, we pray that in this holy week, we will have eyes to see and ears to hear 
and hearts to perceive your spirit in our midst, at work right in front of us. And God, may we have the courage to follow where you lead us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.